Hello and welcome to the FT Advisor podcast, the new weekly podcast series brought to you by FT Advisor. Each week we'll be joined by guests from the industry to discuss the week in news and any pressing industry issues. I'm Ellie Duncan, Features Editor of FT Advisor and Financial Advisor. Joining me today is Martin Stewart, Director and Independent Mortgage Advisor at London Money Group. Welcome, Martin. Hello, Ellie. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Thank you for inviting me on. It's nice to be on the other side of the microphone for a change, being asked questions, not asking the questions. Absolutely. I know you do a monthly podcast Yeah, we do. I do with uh, with, um, uh, Stuart over at uh, the LM Experience, which is always worth a listen. Um, We've had, uh, I think, Rachel on from FT Advisor before, so uh, big fans of uh, podcasts, so um, looking forward to this. So the first topic uh, today up for discussion is the fact that at the end of January came the news that Lloyds Bank was launching a 100% loan-to-value mortgage in a kind of bid to give first-time buyers a bit of a leg up onto the property ladder. So this product removes the need for the buyer to have a deposit and instead the 10% loan is made up by the savings of a family member. So it's probably worth noting that they have to take a savings account with the bank, Lloyds. Uh, Lloyds have branded this the Lender Hand Mortgage, which all sounds very friendly. Um, First of all, why is there so much nervousness around the supposed return of the 100% mortgage? Uh, History, Ellie, isn't it? Uh, I mean, I I think um, anyone that's been in the industry for for 10 or 15 years, we can't forget what happened in 08 and 09 and what a trauma that was for a lot of people uh, and, and the mortgage broker as a whole. I think things have changed a lot. And and now the, the, the expectation has to be that if you want to play in the property game, then you have to put some skin into it yourself. Uh, and I think that's right. Um, I think maybe 100% mortgages had their place 15, 20 years ago. I think everything's moved on a little bit now. Uh, and I think it's only right that people do put a deposit down. Um, and I think it's a cultural thing. I think we have to change this this concept that you can have something without paying for it effectively. Um, and we seem to be gearing up everything. Every asset nowadays is geared, be it a, a, a house, a car, or a watch, uh, or some sort of electrical item. It's all on tick, and I think that's wrong. I think culturally we have to change and understand that actually you put some money into it if you want something. Um, and I think fundamentally buying a house without putting any any hard cash down, uh, it, that's a mistake going forward, and I think that sets bad habits for everybody. But do you think other lenders are going to come to market with similar products now? Uh, well, but first things first, look, it's not really 100% mortgage, is it? You know, it's a gimmick and the parking, the deposit in an account in escrow linked to the uh, uh, linked to um, the mortgage account. So it's not the traditional 100% mortgages that we're probably all familiar with. So it's a reinvention of a theme. Um, can I see other people doing it? Uh, not in the current economic climate. I'd be very, very surprised. How much demand there is for it, I don't know. Uh, banker mum and dad. Which what we're talking about here. Um, my take on that is, well, if they if they kind of loved you enough, wouldn't they just give you the deposit rather than put it into a bank account? That's my take. So, you know, I think you need to be having a conversation with your parents while they're not giving you the money in the first place. But it is a bit of a sign of the times, isn't it? That the fact that first-time buyers can't get onto the property market and this might be seen by some <coughs> as, as the only way to do that. There are other reasons why... Uh, first-time buyers can't get on the housing market and we need to be looking at them more rather than um, the, the lack of savings maybe um, you know I'm, we're big fans of first-time buyers at London Money you know we support them 100% uh, pardon the pun um, and um, you know we'd like to see more help given and there, there are various incentives I mean that's not being you know help to buy has been a big help for first-time buyers uh, you know the stamp duty um, changes in, in the budget last year was a great help for first-time buyers uh, sometimes you've got to help yourself first 
Um, and maybe that starts with family giving you the money rather than parking it into a savings account. Again, I just think culturally it's wrong to be talking about borrowing or, or paying an asset that's worth £200,000 and with borrowing 100% of that, that doesn't that doesn't sit well with me. And it doesn't take a, a big downturn in the market for you to be in negative equity very, very quickly. And that's a completely different conversation. And we don't want to go back to those days. That's my take. Uh, and do you think then it makes more sense to gift that money if, if you want to help your children or your grandchildren onto the property ladder? Yeah, I, you know, the, the banker, mum and dad are, are, are probably one of the, your top five lender in many respects. Um, and uh, they are a necessary uh, element to the market right now where we're passing that wealth down from the from the baby boomers to, to the first-time buyers. Um, I mean, it's not for me to say whether families should gift that money or you know even even help the children out i'm not too sure what you know where, where the moral compass goes in that one um i'm all about standing on your own two feet so you know my son's got no hope of getting any money out of me um but that's my personal take on it so it's this dif- different but what what i think people need to understand is that they, they have to go and speak to a qualified advisor at all stages and find out what the implications are what the options are are there other alternatives that's where it should start now, interestingly, there was a report out uh, just the other week from the London School of Economics that found only 8% of parents who gave money to a child for a deposit sought financial advice. Does that surprise you? I, I, can't, I don't know if I'm surprised about the 8% or the 92%. When family are involved, it becomes emotional. So 92% of people will just be driven by emotion rather than the technicalities and whether they should get some financial taxation advice uh, linked to that. Um, Again, I think 100% of people should be seeking financial advice. doesn't matter where you are in the food chain, always get a third, sort of a second opinion from somebody um, or alternative view on that. I don't think it's stuff that you can do online. I think you can buy products online, and we all do that regularly. But when it comes to a service and something complex like finances, you've got to be speaking to another human being. And this is something that you feel quite strongly about in the equity release market in particular, isn't it? Yeah, this is just something that's kind of come to the fore recently that we've become aware of, that um, uh, there are... Uh, equity release is a very complex product and you're dealing with, with very sort of vulnerable people. Um, and I think that is it, that is only a, a form of advice that you can give face-to-face with the individual and ideally with some family members there. But there are, you know, there are companies out there that are providing advice via the telephone and online. And again, I did, I, we saw an advert today whereby uh, it was suggested that Equity Release was was uh, a good product to help clear some debts from Christmas. I'm not entirely sure that's that's necessarily the case. So, unfortunately, the consumer needs to wake up that actually, you know, t- not everyone's got your best interests at heart. Um, and you know, the, the the older population, I'm talking about people 75, 80, you know, they are vulnerable, um, and the vulnerable to a number of things and, and smooth talking in particular uh, is something that, that that can lead to, to bad outcomes for the client um, and you know we've seen it that clients that have got dementia and they can be very very lucid one day in a conversation uh, my mum's a very good example she can be very very lucid one day uh, and talking about the good old days and recording very very fine detail and the next day I can go around there and, and talk to her and you know she thinks I'm Margaret from number 72 and I've come around to knicker slippers you know it's a, it, there's a huge difference between um 24 hours with with older people if they've got some form of dementia and then take risking their property um uh, with a financial product you know 
we've got to be very careful with this this market. Now, to be fair, there there are a few sort of equity release providers that also um, place quite a lot of importance, don't they, on including family members in this decision? Absolutely, yeah, and rightly so, and rightly so. But I think we need a bigger push from the industry. It includes people like yourself in in in, in the press. It needs the regulator. It needs the providers. It needs some big players in the market to sort of circle the wagon uh, and just sort of say, look, this has to become a mandatory requirement. It's got to become almost law that you have to have a face-to-face meeting. Okay. Now, we keep hearing how house prices are slumping and property transactions are stagnating. We've reported that on FT Advisor and in Financial Advisor. So what impact does a kind of slowing property market have on on your industry, on mortgage brokers? There's probably two differentials, really, I think, there, Ellie. One is um, we're in the... We're in the money side, not the property side. And there's two distinct differences. So sometimes you can have a downturn in, in the property market, but actually our industry is very, very busy because we're doing numbers of different types of mortgages, be it equity release, be it purchases, be it remortgages or product switching, further advances, second charges. There's so many. So you, you probably find, and if you just sort of follow social media, that brokers are very, very busy right now. Um, but there is also, conversely, a downturn in the property market so the broking community i would suggest is very very busy maybe the estate agents probably not so much because they are in the property transaction model um and there has been a downturn um because there's not a huge amount of consumer confidence out there um and it hasn't been for probably well since the referendum i would suggest there's been a general decline uh, in in people's ambitions to move up the property ladder um, as job security becomes to, to be an issue for most people, they tend to sit on their hands. Um, and people do not make big capital expenditure if they're not too sure what the future holds. And that's that's where the property market is right now. And in, in that case, then, do you think it's likely to continue that kind of slow grind for the rest of this year? Certainly towards March the 29th. I can't see a huge amount of change coming then. Um, what, what we say to clients, and I've, I've been saying, I've been saying to first-time buyers in particular, that there is a Brexit dividend for them, and house prices now are probably ten percent cheaper than they were this time last year, which is a great, which is great news for them. Um, that Brexit dividend could turn very, very quickly if there is a solution to Brexit. I'm not too sure what it is, but if there is one, that ten percent will go on quite quickly. There is a huge amount of demand out there among people, just normal people that want to move on with their lives, being the first-time buyers or home movers. Uh, they do want to move on. They do want to become aspiration again and move up the property ladder. Um, and if, if there is a solution to this and the consumer begins to get a bit of comfort and a degree of vision that something down the road is you know, is now going to be a lot more positive than it was, the market will turn very, very quickly. And that 10% Brexit dividend will become a 10% premium for the seller again. And and what is the kind of main question that first-time buyers come to you with? Should we buy a house? Um, because they haven't got the experience of, 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 of sort of trading through a cycle, a housing cycle. Um, and if a lot of brokers haven't got that experience. They haven't seen base races move uh, aggressively. They haven't seen house prices um, fluctuate uh, uh, greatly either. So the, the, the nervousness within the first-time buyer is... is is now the time to do it. Um, some are, but some are also waiting. Um, and again, it just becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy that the more and more people wait, the more we inch towards a recession as we all begin to sit on our hands and we don't make those you know, p- 
purchases that we would have made previously or upgrade the car or move house or you know get a new kitchen all those things we all, if we all stop doing that collectively then we will be looking at a recession is that your sort of biggest worry then for this year do you think i think well the biggest worry this year is a no deal brexit um and 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 that you know it's a it's a massive elephant in the room but and 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 getting that wrong and we're looking at a massive recession for years if we're not careful um so brexit is the thing that is um causing most of the issues i would suggest not only just in in our industry at the moment but the, the wider economy and society as a whole that needs to get fixed so thank you very much for joining me today lovely to have you in the studio and do join us at the same time next week for another ft advisor podcast thanks for listening here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellincat.com.